You may have heard the story of the primary school class that was putting on a Christmas play, which included the story of Mary and Joseph coming to the inn. In that class was one boy who desperately, desperately wanted the part of Joseph. But when the roles were handed out by the teacher, his biggest rival was given the part of Joseph, and this boy was assigned the role of innkeeper instead. And finally, on the night of the play, Mary and Joseph came walking across the stage. They knocked on the door of the inn, and the innkeeper opened the door and asked them gruffly what they wanted. And Joseph answered, we'd like to have a room for the night. And suddenly the innkeeper threw the door wide open and said, great, come on in and I'll give you the best room in the house. And there was deathly silence in the audience for a few moments. But then the boy playing Joseph stepped up to the innkeeper and looked beyond him into the door that represented the inn. He made a big show of looking around. He stepped back out beside Mary and said, no wife of mine is going to stay in a dump like this. Come on, Mary, let's go stay in the stable instead. We've all known that times when Christmas hasn't gone according to plan. We all know how it should go, of course, but sometimes somebody or something changes the script for us. There are times when our Christmas isn't as joyful as we expect or hope when people die, when we're separated, this year in particular, from friends and family, when families are broken up, when we're unemployed, when we're sick, or when those we love are sick. What had promised to be a Christmas filled with joy becomes a blue Christmas, the Christmas that Elvis sang about. And he sang, I'll have a blue Christmas, that's certain. And when that blue heartache starts hurting, You'll be doing all right with your Christmas of white, but I'll have a blue, blue Christmas. Friends, in our Gospel reading today, we have a prophecy which can seem much like a blue Christmas, a message that might not match the Christmas message, peace on earth among those whom he favours that we know so well. Simeon is an old man who's righteous and devout, and God had promised him that he would not die until he had seen the Messiah. Tradition has it that Simeon was 113 years old, although there's no indication in our scriptures of his precise age. But we do know that he was old and had been waiting and watching with Anna for the Saviour to come. It was the Jewish law, of course, for every newborn male to be circumcised on the eighth day. It was considered the sign and seal of the covenant God had made with Abraham. The Jewish people were proud to be God's covenant people, God's chosen people. And both Joseph and Mary were part of that covenant people. This ritual, this circumcision, would mark the start of Jesus' entry into traditional Jewish life. When Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to the temple, Simeon took the eight-day-old Jesus into his arms and Simeon praised God. He said, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Simeon could rest easy. The saviour he had waited so long for had arrived. But what Simeon declared that day went beyond what the people of Israel had come to expect. He said that the salvation would be for the Gentiles as well as the people of Israel. We read that both Joseph and Mary were amazed 
at what was being said about their child. And that might be surprising because they'd both been visited by angels. They'd been visited by the shepherds who'd told them what the angels had said. But even so, Jesus was just a baby. But we read that Simeon didn't stop there. He blessed them and then prophesied. And things get a bit dark, a bit blue. Far from simply rejoicing because he's met the Saviour, Simeon makes a declaration that's just filled with bad news. This child, he says, is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This Saviour, this baby Jesus, is destined for the falling and rising of many and to be a sign that will be opposed, inner thoughts will be revealed. And finally, and very personally, a sword will pierce the soul of his parents. It's bad news, at least for some, if not most. The news of God's plan had so far been good news for Mary and Joseph. But now Simeon was revealing that there was bad news too. He told them, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. And sure enough, as we read through the gospel accounts, we know that Jesus would, would cause some to be lifted up and encouraged, but others to be destroyed. The poor and the outcasts would be lifted up and encouraged. Leprosy would be healed. Unfair judgments revoked. The lame would walk. The blind would see. And on the other hand, there was the rich young man too caught up in his wealth to follow Jesus. And there were the scribes and the Pharisees too, too caught up in their power and privilege. Simeon tells them that their child will be a sign that will be opposed. From his birth, Jesus would be opposed, from Herod sending soldiers to kill him along with all the male children in Bethlehem, through to the people in his hometown wanting to throw him off a cliff, to Pharisees and Sadducees who tried to entrap him, to Judas who betrayed him, to the Jewish leaders who condemned him, and to the Romans who crucified him. The opposition didn't end there, though. After his resurrection, the opposition to him and his followers continued, and we read about it in the book of Acts. We read it about it throughout history, and we see it and sometimes experience it today. Simeon says, too, that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. And as we read the gospel accounts of Jesus' ministry, we learn it's not just actions, but our motivations, our thoughts that are the problem. Jesus taught, you have heard it, that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And finally, he says, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now, we don't know Joseph's fate, but we do know that Mary would watch as her son was terribly beaten and as he died on the cross, her soul was certainly pierced. These are strange things to prophesy about the coming of the Saviour, and they're strange things to reflect on at Christmas. For most people, Christmas is a fun and exciting time of year, in, in most years anyway, if not 2020. But we need to see the whole story of Christmas. Jesus didn't enter the world just to be a cute little baby and give us all warm and fuzzy feelings each Christmas. He entered the world to suffer 
and to die on a cross so that our sins might be forgiven and so that we might be saved. And if you think about it, that first Christmas wasn't all joy. It was a young couple far away from home, the woman pregnant and giving birth in an animal stall, far, far removed from the conditions of a modern birth, but even far removed from the ideal conditions of the time. It's the story of innocent boys being killed by King Herod because Herod feared that one of them might be a rival king. It's the story of someone sent into the world in peace and love who was ultimately condemned to death. It's the story of a light sent to shine in the darkness and later that light being temporarily snuffed out. It was, in many ways, as Elvis would later sing, a blue Christmas. But I don't think Simeon looked at it that way. Yes, his words of prophecy were definitely filled with bad news, but these weren't the only words that Simeon had to say about the Saviour. When he first saw Jesus, he declared, Master, you are now dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. He's been allowed to see God's salvation. He's seen the light of the Gentiles. He's seen the glory of Israel revealed. Yes, there were going to be dark moments surrounding this young baby, but they all pale in comparison to what this child was going to accomplish. Jesus had come to give light and bring hope and salvation, light into de- darkness, hope to the hopeless, salvation to the fallen. Christmas is a time to take the words of Jesus to heart. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The world is harsh. We know the world is harsh. Bad things happen all the time to people, to families, to entire nations. There are hardships and tragedies wherever we look. But the most common message from the story of Jesus' birth is this. Don't be afraid. When the angel told Zechariah that he was to be father of John the Baptist, he declared, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. And when the angel visited Joseph, he told him, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. When the angel told Mary, He started with the same four words. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And sure enough, when the angels appeared to the shepherds in the fields, they told the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour, has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Again and again, God told the people, don't be afraid. But why shouldn't we be afraid? This life is often unpleasant and frustrating. There's lots to be afraid of. But we needn't be afraid because we have received good news that shall be for all the people. And Simeon said the same thing when he saw Jesus, the Christ child. He declared that he would be a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. Friends, this world is filled with darkness. and 
we know, so often know it so well in our lives that it's hard to see what lies ahead. But Simeon reminds us that Jesus brings light into our lives. We just need to open our hearts to him, to let his light shine in our lives. No matter how dark things may be for us, no matter how dark things may be for the people that we love, God's love is there for us. God loves us so much that he sent his son into this dark, fallen world to bring light and hope. Society, the world, and indeed the church so often says that Christmas should be a time filled with joy and happiness. And often it is, often there is. But so often there is also sadness and emptiness and loneliness and despair at this time of year. Just watching the television news this week, there are so many people who are despairing and angry at the circumstances they face, cut off from their loved ones, their plans for a family Christmas in tatters. So people often expect Christmas to be filled with joy and happiness. But the essence of Christmas is of light shining in a dark place. The essence of Christmas is hope. The hope that the infant Jesus brought into a fallen world. The hope that Jesus brings into all of our lives. Amen.